podcast is a production of Landmark Baptist Church in Greenville, North Carolina. You're listening to the teaching of the Reverend Bill Rodeball. Sunday, March 27th, the prayer of the persevering. As believers, I think it's appropriate time from time to ask, how is your prayer life? You ever wish that it was more personal? I think if we're honest, all of us at one time or another feel that way. Maybe you've got into a rut where you feel like you're just saying the same thing over and over, or you're falling asleep when you're praying, or for some of you, you've really neglected prayer, or you've gotten discouraged thinking, my prayers are getting no higher than the ceiling, because you don't feel like you're getting an answer to what you're praying about. If that's the way you feel, you need a new dimension of praying. I like what Dean Vaughn once said. He said, if I wish to humble someone, I should question him about his prayers. That's really true for a lot of us. You know, the truth of that statement, though, doesn't just humble lay people in the pews. Did you know it can humble pastors behind the pulpits? And it can humble professors behind seminaries. It can unsettle leaders behind organizations. It surely can. J. Oswald Sanders, that great author from a century ago, has written, most of us are plagued with a subtle aversion to praying. We do not naturally delight in drawing near to God. Oh, we pay lip service to that delight. We know that it's constantly exemplified in Scripture, but in spite of it all, too often, we fail to pray. Now, if you're like me, and probably a lot of you have said the same thing in your mind, well, I would pray more, but I'm just too busy. If it wasn't for this or that, I would pray more. But the truth is, for most of us, we do have the time. We just don't pray. Well, there was a great spiritual revival that happened in the Bible, and it brought about a great time of prayer. And I want you to take your Bible and turn to Nehemiah chapter 9. They had a great revival, and then one day later, the people came before God in prayer and confession. In fact, it's the longest prayer recorded in the Bible, or one of the longest. In fact, it recaps all of Israel's history And it shows God's compassion and his kindness toward them throughout the centuries. And it's a prayer that's uttered in humility, but also in unity. Now, we can understand confession when we, I think a lot of us confess our sins. We can understand even reviewing God's actions toward us. We have a harder time identifying with sackcloth and ashes. That's what they did. But by doing that, they were declaring their hunger, hunger for God. I liked a little sign that said, uh, the fasting and prayer conference this week will include meals. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, the kind of the way we want the easier road out on this kind of thing, you know? But by fasting, they were declaring, we, we want a hunger for God that's going to even supersede our hunger for our physical hunger. You know, and they wore these loose-fitting garments that were made of coarse Goat's hair was very uncomfortable. But by doing that, they were expressing a profound sense of mourning because their sins had brought their nation low. And by throwing dust or ashes upon their head, they were honestly even identifying with death. But they were doing that to draw near to God. And they wanted to separate themselves from all non-Israelites that were not willing to follow the true God. And so they were making a deep commitment to God. If we, if I want to ask you, if you want to make your prayer time 
more meaningful, and even more enjoyable, and even more personal. And I think if it becomes more personal, it will become more enjoyable. We need to get our prayers moving. I want to talk quickly how to get it moving in four different directions today. And the Israelites' prayer spans history all the way from creation to their present day, but it comes all the way down to our day as well. And that's the kind of pattern we need in our prayer times. In fact, if you go to Nehemiah chapter 9 now, you've probably heard of this acrostic in the New Testament. Acts, remember that? What is it? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then what? Supplication. It's a very similar pattern that you see in Nehemiah, which shows the unity of the Bible. Follow with me in Nehemiah now, chapter 9. And notice verse 5, the last part of it, chapter, chapter 9, verse 5. They say, Arise, bless the Lord, your God, forever and ever. Oh, may your glorious name be blessed and be exalted above all blessing and praise. Look at verse 6. You alone are the Lord. You've made the heavens, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, and the earth that is all that is in it. And all the heavenly host bows down to you. Here's the first thing we need to, get, to do to get our prayers moving. Number one, look up. That is praise. Start with praise. How many of us come to prayer time with a shopping list of our problems, our complaints, our frustrations, and then it never gets beyond that? It just becomes a whining, grinding session of complaints. No wonder prayer is not enjoyable. Start with praise. You know, that will totally change your focus. Look up. That is, praise God, he's in control. That's what he's saying in verses 5 and 6. The people are reminding themselves God's in control. In fact, there's several points of praise to ponder here. Look at the first verse 5 here. And verse 6, they praise the name of God. That's synonymous with his glory. The resplendent glory of his being. They praised him for his exalted position. They praised him for his creation, which daily echoes his mercy and faithfulness. So first thing you need to do, look up. Praise God. Second thing you need to do, and that is look back. Look up. That's how you start your prayers, and then look back. In other words, review the history of God's working in your life. From verses 7 all the way to 31, and I'm not going to read it, they review all of Israel's history. Look at verse 7, though, please. Look, you are the Lord God who chose Abram. So they start with Abraham's calling. And they, in God's faithfulness to him, now glance down at verses 9 to 12. Then you have the spectacular signs and the singing of the Exodus as they were delivered from captivity from Egypt and Pharaoh. Glance at verses 13 to 15. You have the meticulous legal meetings of, of Leviticus, but that reminds the people of Mount Sinai. It reminds them of the laws that God gave them governing Jewish life, that, that they were to guide them. And then later, look at verses 22 to 25, you enter the land of milk and honey, the promised land. And from there, you pass through all the peaks and the valleys of the judges. See, this is just like our life, all these different things. And then you even review, or the, the, the prayer people review, the bloodbath of disobedience that's recorded in Samuel and Kings and Chronicles. But even there, even with all their arrogance and rebellion, and idolatry. Notice verse 17. You see God's faithfulness. Look at verse 17. They refused to listen and did not remember your wondrous deeds which you performed among them. They became stubborn, appointed a leader to the return to their slavery in Egypt. By the way, when we review God, when you reject God, you return to some kind of a slavery, whether you know it or not. But notice the end of verse 17. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. You did not forsake them. 
So you see a gracious, compassionate God throughout their history. In other words, as you look at this prayer, I invite you to read it on your own. You see God's forgiveness and you see God's faithfulness. The same is true for your life. Look up. When you, start, when you pray, praise God for who he is. Remind yourself he's in control no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening to you. And then look back in the history of your life and recall how God has been faithful to you. Catalog it. Write it down. Put it in the analogs of your mind. Hasn't God been compassionate toward you? Hasn't he given you forgiveness and mercy and grace? Oh, remind yourself of it. Look back. Third thing you need to do, bring it right up to the present. Look around. That is with petition and confession. That's what they did. Notice verses 34 and 35. Well, actually, the whole section takes the Israelites' prayers right from their past, from verse 7 all the way to 31, and then verses 32 to 37 deal with their present. And notice with me verses 34 and 35. They, can, they again focus on confession. They had been in hardship because of their sin. They even remind themselves, we're still living, even though we're, we're still living under foreign rule. And so they ask the Lord to intervene. Do you have a problem in your life right now? You got something that's really racking your brain with worry? Say, God, I want you to intervene in this situation and specifically make it very specific. Ask God to specifically answer, and, and that's that God honors that. He delights in hearing that. How, should you, how are we going to get our prayers moving? Look up. Praise God. Look back. Remind yourself God's been faithful to you. Look around and ask God to intervene. Confess. Petition. Bring those supplications. Very important to do. And then finally, look ahead with a commitment. Notice verse 38. This is the end of their prayer. And because of the prayer, they now make an agreement in writing. They are going to commit themselves to following God. In fact, chapter 10 records the names one by one of those who stepped out and signed that document. It kind of reminds me of our own founding fathers who signed the Declaration of Independence. Risky, yes. Adventurous, to be sure. But they were putting their life on the line by doing it. And these men were and families were doing the same thing. What were they doing? In one word, obedience. When you look ahead, say, God, I'm going to follow you and trust you and ask you to live through me no matter what is ahead, no matter what I need to face. So as we go to slide six, let's review four dimensions of prayer that will make it more personal for you, definitely more practical, and even preventative in terms of straying away. Write it down. Number one, praise. Look up. Okay, and praise God. Focus on him, not yourself, on him, not your feelings, on him. Secondly, look back. That is reflect, review how God has worked in your life. Third, look around. That is petition. God, I need you to intervene. I want you to deal with this certain situation. And then finally, look ahead with a firm, complete commitment. You know, many times in Scripture, God is known by his names. Look at verse 32. Now, therefore, our God, the great and mighty and awesome God who keeps covenant and loving kindness. And there's several names I love about God in the Old Testament like this. Jehovah Jireh, reading Hebrew names now, which means the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Jehovah Shekaku, which means the Lord our righteousness. How about Jehovah Ra, the Lord our shepherd. And El Shaddai, God Almighty, our God is sufficient. Did you know when you pray, you need to remind yourself, look up, God's going to provide my need. You need to remind yourself, he is my peace. As, he's, as you look back in your life, he's provided everything you need. 
He's your peace in the present. He's your righteousness. You can go before the throne of grace because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And let me add, if you're not a believer here, that's the only way you can come to God is through Jesus Christ. And then remember, he is your shepherd as you look ahead. He's going to guide you. He is sufficient for whatever you need as you look ahead. You know, we need to really praise and give thanks to God for who he is. By the way, and if just a very quick few moments, we're going to learn about that now with our building. And I think I, and I like to look, apply those four things to the history of Landmark. Landmark started in 74. This building, some of you were here, came about in 77 that you're sitting in now. Long history, over 30 years. And then we added, what was the Fellowship Hall, 85, around going on to 88. And there, and then the new building in 98, now we're thinking about extending. You know what that says? God has been faithful to this assembly, hasn't he? People have come and gone. Some have gone on to glory. But the Lord has been faithful, hasn't he? And as you look around in your own life, it's the same way. He's been faithful. And I, I really, I think, you know, praise and thanksgiving is a part of believers' prayer. Sometimes it's almost non-existent. It, oh, it just becomes perfunctory at meals or, you know, holiday settings or whatever. But making it a routine part of your prayer life, and maybe you're here and you've lost the sense of wonder about who God is or his presence in your life. I, I just want to challenge you to take those four ways to make your prayer time more practical, definitely more personal and enjoyable. It surely will be. You know, we're thinking about, you know, adding on to the building, and we're going to do it. It, it requires everybody. It requires your stewardship, your ministry, your availability. I was reading this week. I found this very impressive in terms of committed churches. In times of recession, which we know we're in, Churches remain the number one recipient of all household dollars given to charity. In fact, in the 12 recessions since 1967, giving to religious organizations only fell on the average of 0.01% in all the recessions. You know why? What does that say? God's people are committed to God, right? I'm looking to the bank account. I'm looking to the fluctuating society. They know God is going to be faithful to him because he doesn't change. You know, but it still is a call to be involved. And that's why we're going to present to you now what's going on, why it needs to be done on Sunday, because that's when you're here, so that you can have a vision of what's going on and what we're planning to do and what the Lord we intend to do through the ministry here. I think it's very, very important that we think about these things, that we, that we consider them. You know, because being a good steward is part of being faithful to God and being faithful among his people. And it's also a way to say thank you we couldn't even be involved in a project like this if you were not involved and committed and reaching out. and We were not growing because the Lord was not adding to us. And for all that have donated their time, their finances, their commitment, and those that will continue to do so, I want to say thank you. And I hope that all of you uh, would continue to do so as well. It's so very, very important because even though we're in uncertain times, we don't worship an uncertain God. We, we have one that is a God, our God, the true God, the only God that is truly committed to us. And it needs to be reminded that every penny that any church or that this church has to spend is only because somebody decided to give it away. It requires you. It's all up to you to be faithful uh, to God. So I'm going to close out our time in a word of prayer. I'm going to invite our building committee to come over and take, up, take over at this time. So let's have a word of prayer as we close out this portion uh, of the service, and we'll have those leaders come up at this time. Dear Father, we thank you that you are faithful to us. Help our prayer times to definitely be, we want us to be intimately involved with you. You want us to have an enjoyable, growing relationship with you and help us to look up
and praise you to look back and review your faithfulness and forgiveness to us, to look around and petition and to ask you to intervene for us in our current needs and to look ahead with a firm commitment. We want to do this with Landmark uh, as our church. We want to do this uh, in our families and definitely as in, in individually as well. And we ask you to enable us to just draw closer to you and not, let not the enemy steal apart in a way time that we can have for you daily and weekly. He doesn't want us to have that time with you. Help us to make it a number one priority. We ask all of these things now in the blessed name of Christ. Amen. Landmark Baptist Church is located at 4657 U.S. Highway 13 South. Please join us for our morning service on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. You can also visit us on the web at www.landmarkbaptchurch.org.